This is Dave Burnett, and I want to welcome you to today's God's Family Plan podcast featuring my wife, Kathy. The title of Kathy's message for today is The Sky is Falling, a Personal Testimony. And now, here's Kathy. I have a personal testimony I'd like to share with you today. But before I begin, I'd like to provide a biblical foundation for releasing testimonies. The first scripture I'd like to share is found in Psalm 77, verse 1. In the New Living Translation, it says, I will remember the things the Lord has done. Yes, I will remember the powerful works of long ago. And I'd also like to share the first half of Revelation 12, 11, again in the New Living Translation. And they have defeated him that is, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. With those two verses in mind, let's begin. Years ago, I was teaching in a Christian school and living in an old mansion that had been converted into small apartments. My rent was $75 a month. On Saturdays, I was enrolled in a ministry class and was very excited to have my first opportunity to lead the class. The text I had chosen to teach was Philippians 4, 4-7. Although you probably know it well, I'll read it just as a reminder. Here it is in the New International Version. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's one of the first passages I ever memorized, and it's one of my all-time favorites. Many, many nights I fall asleep meditating on those words. Back to the testimony. The night before I was scheduled to teach ministry class, I reviewed my notes, made a few last-minute changes, and practiced one more time before going to bed early, knowing that it's always important to be refreshed and well-rested before leading. While I was sound asleep in the middle of the night, there was suddenly a loud crash. I woke up quite startled and surprised to find a pile of rubble on top of me. The room was very dark. I really couldn't see much, but I could tell that some boards and a lot of other unidentifiable stuff filled the room. Somehow, I managed to navigate my way over to the wall and then felt my way to the light switch. When I flipped the switch, the light came on, but it was on the floor. The floor and the entire room were covered with all kinds of debris including splintered pieces of lumber with protruding nails. I realized the ceiling had literally fallen in and come crashing down. It's hard to describe what an eerie and frightening sight it was. I froze for a moment. Then I began to pray silently. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, what do I do? Please help me. Immediately, I knew I needed to turn off the light switch. No need to be electrocuted in all this mess. I quickly obeyed. 
Next, I felt led to go to the living room, calm myself, pray, and wait for further instructions. As I began praying in the Spirit, I realized that the Philippians 4 teaching I had prepared for the class was actually for me, right then, in that moment. So, I began to activate Philippians 4.4. I rejoiced. I rejoiced again. Rejoice means to release joy and repeat again and again. I release joy. I release thanksgiving. I was so very grateful. I realized that even in the midst of the ceiling falling in, I was just fine. I was not injured or harmed. I was safe. I was protected. I was alive. Thanks be to God. I rejoiced. Then I began preaching to myself. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. My request was, what do I do now? Holy Spirit led me by the inward witness like this. I sensed that it was okay for me to stay in the apartment for the rest of the night. I knew I just needed to stay out of the bedroom. I sensed that I could wait until daylight to call the landlords and report what happened. I sensed that I needed to rest quietly through the night and continue to release faith until I could believe to receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. Over and over through the night, while I rested, I prayed and meditated on that passage from Philippians. As I repeatedly released joy, along with thanksgiving, I was greatly blessed and able to enter into his peace. The next morning, I called the landlords and told them what happened. Later, they told me that the man that lived in the upstairs apartment forgot to turn off his bath water. He left the water running. It overflowed his tub and flooded his floor, which was my ceiling. The landlords told me they were amazed at how much damage was done to my bedroom. They also said they were amazed at how calm I was in the midst of the mess. Praise God. Hallelujah. That morning, my teaching on Philippians 4 was supernaturally anointed by Holy Spirit and empowered by my testimony to release the joy of the Lord in all circumstances and to minister peace that's beyond human understanding. Just now, as I was sharing my testimony about the ceiling falling in, Holy Spirit reminded me of the children's story, Chicken Little. I love children's literature and have found that adults can enjoy the stories right along with the little ones. So, here goes. There are many versions of this story, but I'll share the one that begins like this. Once upon a time, there was a little chicken, and everybody called him Chicken Little. And one day, while he was out walking, up in the sky, a bird flew over, and it dropped an acorn, and the acorn fell down and bip-bopped him right on the head. Chicken Little said, Ock! and looked up, and he didn't see anything. And he looked down, and he didn't see anything. So he said, help, help, the sky is falling. Help, help, the sky is falling. I have to tell the king. And he went running down the road looking for the king. Chicken Little panicked. He was motivated by fear. 
and he began sharing his fear with everyone around him. Chicken Little spread the sky is falling in news with Henny Penny, Goosey Lucy, and Turkey Lurkey. And then it's not surprising that the entire group had an encounter with Foxy Loxy. Foxy Loxy will almost always show up whenever there's a tasty morsel of negative news nearby. Did you notice that Chicken Little was so focused on sharing his fear and telling everyone around him the sky was falling in that he never did talk with the king about the situation? Although I never expected to be sharing about Chicken Little during this podcast, the scenario does sound a bit familiar. Think about it. Did you ever get so focused on your fear, either real or imagined, that you never got around to spending time with the king and asking him about his strategies and solutions for the situation? Anyway, moving on, I googled Chicken Little and discovered there's something called a Chicken Little Syndrome. Chicken Little Syndrome is described as fear-mongering. I'll quote the internet explanation of fear-mongering. Fear-mongering, whether justified or not, can sometimes elicit a societal response called Chicken Little Syndrome. Described as inferring catastrophic conclusions, possibly resulting in paralysis. It's also been defined as a sense of despair or passivity, which blocks the audience from actions. Wikipedia says the phrase chicken little is applied to people accused of being unreasonably afraid or of those trying to incite an unreasonable fear in those around them. Right now, there certainly seems to be a lot of fear-mongering in the atmosphere. There are also quite a number of chicken little people that are suffering from fear, despair, and a kind of passivity that may have them paralyzed with hopelessness. I'm not saying there's no reason to fear. There are certainly a multitude of reasons to be concerned about all kinds of very significant issues. However, I am saying there's an antidote to fear, and it's important to be aware of that antidote and to know how to activate it. So, what's the antidote? Philippians 4.4 is a great place to start. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. I've learned that rejoicing and its root, joy, are a powerful spiritual force. Let's take a closer look at what Scripture has to say about rejoicing in joy. First of all, joy is made available to us through our salvation. Isaiah 12.3 in the Passion Translation says it like this, With triumphant joy you will drink deeply from the wells of salvation. Joy is as refreshing as a big gulp of ice water on a hot, dry summer day. Just how do we access this kind of joy? King David tells us in his prayer that's found in Psalm 16, verse 11. As translated in the New King James Version, he wrote, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. The same thoughts are expressed in Acts 2.28. As written in the New Living Translation, it reads, You have shown me the way of life. 
and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. So spending time in the king's presence is our filling station, the place we go to get filled with joy. Next, I think it's important to take a look at what Jesus had to say about our joy. Three times in his gospel, John records the words of Jesus when he's speaking of the joy of his disciples and followers. I'll read all three verses in the New International Version. John 15:11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 16:24. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. John 17:13 When Jesus was praying to Father on behalf of his disciples and speaking to his Father he said I am coming to you now but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them Here's John 17:13 as expressed in the Passion Translation Father I pray that they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you, so that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. An in-depth study of the context of each of these verses is worth exploring. I encourage you to dive in and go deeper. For our purposes, we can say with certainty that it was important to Jesus for his disciples and followers, including us, to have his full, complete joy. Since Jesus prayed for his disciples to have joy, let's take a look at what two of them had to say about joy. Here's what James wrote in James 1, verses 2 and 3, as translated in the NIV. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Pure joy when facing trials. Honestly, that verse always challenges me. It's definitely faith-stretching. Let's turn our attention to Peter. Here are his words in 1 Peter 1.8, as translated in the King James Version. Whom having not seen, you love, and whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, and full of glory. Here's the same verse in the Passion Translation. You love him passionately, although you did not see him, but through believing in him you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. Remember, both James and Peter personally witnessed the death of Jesus on the cross. And they themselves were living in a time of such great persecution against Christians that they both were martyred for the cause of Christ. These two verses give us some insight as to how they had the strength and courage to both live and die for Jesus. For both Peter and James, joy seemed to be a key component of their faith life. Nehemiah provides additional clarification about the importance of joy. As translated in Nehemiah 8, verse 10, the NIV says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. From Hebrews 12, 2, we can gain even more insight, this time from Jesus himself. 
I'll read it in the Passion Translation. We look away from the natural realm, and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us, and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me rephrase that. Jesus endured the cross because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Ponder that for a few minutes. What an amazing thought. What an amazing Savior. When I think about joy and rejoicing in the midst of challenging times, I remember Habakkuk. Habakkuk lived during a very difficult time for his nation. He begins his writing by expressing how burdened and discouraged he's feeling. Then he takes us on his spiritual journey of moving from doubt and despair to faith and joy. The book of Habakkuk is only three chapters long, but it's filled with spiritual insight. Let me share a few verses that describe his transition to faith. Here's Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and 18 in the NIV. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Listen closely as I read those verses again, this time in the Amplified Translation. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and there is no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive fails, and the fields produce no food, Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will choose to rejoice in the Lord. I will choose to shout in exultation in the victorious God of my salvation. Did you catch that? Rejoicing is an intentional choice. One must choose to rejoice and have joy. Rejoicing is a verb. It's an action word. It's available to all who have received salvation in Jesus, but it has to be activated by faith. As it's written in James 2.20, faith without works is dead. So, what can you do to activate this joy? 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, identifies three areas that we can focus our thoughts on as we allow Holy Spirit to develop and mature Christ's life within us. I'll read these verses in the Passion Translation. Verse 16, Let joy be your continual feast. Verse 17, Make your life a prayer. Verse 18, And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Let's summarize. With joy, remember and meditate on who He is and all that He's done. Spend time with the living Word and the written Word. Express thanks. A final thought. 
Joy can be activated and ignited. There are all kinds of things you can do to spark joy and rejoicing. Here's a list of a few joy igniters. Prayer, praise and worship, Bible study, fasting, music, including vocal and instrumental sounds in a variety of styles, movement, dance, and exercise, outdoor time enjoying all of creation and nature, recreation and hobbies, giving both of your time and your blessings, ministering using your God-given gifts, enjoying fellowship and relationship with others, smiling, laughing, giggling, having fun, playing, Shabbat, and rest. These are just general categories. Remember, this is absolutely not a religious exercise. It's an activation. Be intentional. Think about what you can do to spark joy in your own life. It's important for you to make your own list. Just take a few minutes and consider what releases joy in your life. What are your favorite things to see, smell, hear, taste, and touch? Write them down. Because you are a unique, one-of-a-kind individual, your list will be unique to you. Now, take your list and think about what you can do. What action can you take today that will activate rejoicing and ignite joy within you? As this podcast comes to a close, my prayer for you is found in Isaiah 55, 12. I decree and declare over you that you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And I release the prayer of Jude 24 and 25 over you and your loved ones. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious present without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening, and please join us again soon on the God's Family Plan podcast. Thanks, Kathy. We trust this message has been a blessing to you and to your household. If you have questions or comments, please visit our Facebook page. That's God's Family Plan on Facebook, and you can leave those questions and comments there. Until next time, may God's richest favor and abundant blessing be upon you and your household. In Jesus' name, amen.